Hello, and welcome to Good Film Hunting. This is your producer, Haley. We are back from a bit of a summer vacation, and while we were gone, we'd requested movie suggestions from listeners that fit the back-to-school theme. Our most requested movie was Ferris Bueller's Day Off, so we will kick off this series with the rerun from when we talked about this film earlier this year with our friend Chris. Hope you enjoy revisiting this one as much as we did. Okay, hello and welcome to Good Film Hunting, um, the podcast where two sisters living in different parts of the country talk with family and friends about some of our favorite movies. And today we have a very special guest and a very special movie. Uh, usually I let Eleanor introduce, but like I'm very proud of this, Chris. You are one of the first people I have like independently got to be on our podcast, so I get to introduce yeah, you. Annie's not good at this. But look, I'm rocking it. I've done really well lately, Eleanor. You have to admit. I've been getting better. Um, mm-hmm. So Chris and I are friends from Notre Dame. He and I probably, I was thinking about it, we probably first met through the International Summer Service Learning Project, which is a mouthful. Um, okay, so where, Christopher, where did you do ISSLP? I actually did my ISSLP in Guatemala. Um, and now, years back, this was the summer of 2010. Like getting older, this would be eight years ago now. But it happens. Have you been back to Guatemala? I have not been back to Guatemala, um, but I was actually in Nicaragua, which is pretty close. Um, <laughs> about a year and a half ago, so you know, still the same Central American kind of lifestyle and feel and food, but you know, definitely. Some slight differences with the culture, but we we divertido. I really enjoyed myself. Yeah, I have to go to Central America. That's one place I've never been. Anyway, so today we are going to talk about Ferris Bueller's Day Off, um, which I'm excited to talk about, especially as today is like the first kind of summery day in Chicago, and this is like the perfect Chicago summer movie. Um, but anyway, before we get into that, we always do our favorite pop culture thing currently. Um, and I'll start because I think too much about these things. But mine is like, it's not really a pop culture of the moment. It's probably the past for many people. But just today, I started um, The Devil in the White City, the, the book about the Chicago World's Fair and like the murderer. And it's really good. I'm like very gripped um, already. And I'm like, I started today, I'm like 100 pages in already because I just couldn't put it down. Uh, the dude is such a creep. I mean, he's terrible. What a terrible person. So I'm currently really enjoying that. True story, right? Yeah. It's it's nonfiction, which I like. I've been reading a lot of nonfiction. Essentially only nonfiction. Well, and theoretically it's being made into a movie starring Leonardo DiCaprio with um, Martin Scorsese directing, but I feel like that's been an ongoing myth almost at this stage, so I'm not sure. How long has it been like in production? Mm, years. Um, yeah. Years. Now Leonardo DiCaprio is doing, like, the Marilyn Manson movie with, or not the Marilyn Manson, the Manson Manson murder movie with Quentin Tarantino, so he's probably out of it for a little bit. It sounds like Leonardo's getting all sorts of dark since The Revenant. Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> Chris, how about you? What's your pop culture thing of the week? Um, pop culture. It's not something that comes naturally to me. Um, but I did go to my first So Far Sounds concert with you know one of the hosts of the podcast, and um, it was something that's been on my list for a few months. But you know, my work schedule and lots of things always in flux, so it's hard to kind of lock down in a, a place and time. Um, so I luckily was able to make it work on Friday night. Um, so Anne and I went down to the the West Loop in Chicago, which is you know the hit neighborhood these days. Um, it was a really cool venue. It was kind of like a um, like a space used for kind of like little retreats and kind of um, ideas and powwows and really kind of like space. Um, it was really interesting and um, three different acts play, so kind of small smaller acts that you don't usually you know hear about, but. I really enjoyed them. Um, I think you did as well, and Yeah, they were all really good. Yeah, I've actually still listened to two of them on Spotify in the past few days. Um, so Adam and Kizzy and then the Honeystone. So, yeah, it was a good experience. Um, and I'd like to try and go again. But I guess that's my pop culture event of the, the past week. Yeah, it was a good one. Also, that's very successful um, for So Far Sounds. If you've already been listening to them on Spotify, that's like the dream. That's the whole reason for doing these. Um, For me, I was getting kind of nervous about what I was going to say for my pop culture thing of the moment because I felt like I hadn't consumed almost anything. It's kind of just been like work and sleep. But um, then a friend texted me that the Hamel drop of the month was called First Burn, and it's a music video with five of the women who have sung the part of Eliza Hamilton and with the original rough cut of what became Burn. And so that is my thing for the moment. Okay. I'll have to listen to that. I saw something about it on social media, but I didn't like pursue because oh my other pop culture thing of the week is that at least at my school it's like screen free week and so I'm trying to be in solidarity with the kids that are freaking riding they hated today so much because we wouldn't let them use their iPads and um I'm trying to be one with them in that so like I haven't been on a computer this is my screen time the dream fascinating (laughs) Kids are just really obsessed with that game that I was talking about last week. I hate it. Anyway, children, they're dumb. Oh, God, what is it? It starts. They talk about it all the time, and now I can't think of it. And it will come to me. It will come to me. I apparently block it out. PTSD. Um, Anyway, so we are going to be talking about Ferris Bueller's Day Off. And Chris, can you give us a brief synopsis of this lovely 80s movie? Sure thing. Um, So yeah, so the story takes place in Chicago and the Chicago suburbs, which is where I currently reside, as well as Anne. Um, And it also takes place in the spring, right around uh, this time, um, right around April or May, because they make the comment about school almost being out, but... Basically, it's about a, a high school senior kid named Ferris who just doesn't want to go to school for a day. He wants to have fun, wants to enjoy himself before he has to get up and start his real life and go to college. And so he fakes sick. Um, 
really good job by that. Um, parents <laughs> are convinced, but also don't seem to be the, the most with it parents. They seem to be kind of absent-minded, but you know, somehow he's able to um, you know, scare them off, and they go off to their jobs, and he is then free for the day. Um, so then his first step is to convince his, his best friend, um, Cameron, to also skip school. And I guess luckily Cameron is home, actually sick or has some type of cold or something. So the only hard part for him is actually to convince Cameron to come pick him up in his dad's uh, car. <laughs> yeah. So then they they go they go to the school. They pick up his girlfriend Sloane to some kind of hilarity, uh, pretending that he's the he's her grandfather and convincing the principal. <laughs> and they go off to the city. Um, and they have a wonderful day in the city. It's just an awesome day. Like, I feel like they've done, they do so much to short period of time that like they go to a Cubs game, they go to some swanky French restaurants, <laughs> um, you know, the like it's Sears Tower, um, you name it. It's just, there's a lot going on. Um, and that kind of culminates with this, this huge parade. Like I think it's on Michigan Avenue maybe. Or oh, for sure. Yeah. It's thousands of people. I, I think it's like, a, I was watching it again. I never really actually, you know, took notice of it, but this, Last week I was watching, it looked like there was some type of German festival. <laughs> naturally, naturally. But yeah, that's kind of the the whole dance dance song. This whole dance song and number, um, and of course the whole crowd breaks out in chorus and have coordinated dance steps. But, yes. Know, so that's the lightness of it, and then kind of the day kind of concludes when hey, you know it's five six o'clock and they have to get back home um, before the parents do. So it's just kind of a race against time to not only beat his father and his mother, but also his sister somehow determined that he's giving as well. So it's kind of the whole kind of, not exactly a chase scene per se, because, you know, no one's chasing each other, but it's a race back to to his house, and it kind of all culminates in, you know, he makes it, obviously, because it's a feel-good movie. But <laughs> yeah, that's, that's kind of the gist of it for any anybody who has the misfortune of never seeing this movie. Um, but yeah, it's such a really enjoyable film, uh, very lighthearted. Um, yeah. Christopher, are you originally from the Chicago area? Or can you explain to us the first context in which you approached this film? I'm actually from a lovely state of Michigan, um, the suburbs of Detroit. So, still live in West. Uh, I actually can actually very remember the first time I saw this movie, um, I was a freshman in high school, and we watched it in, um, I was taking an elective called Music Appreciation, because I don't draw, and I'm a terrible drawer, and I did not want to spend an hour every night drawing, so I took this class called Music Appreciation, which I didn't know much about, and it ended up being more of a movie appreciation class, um, now that I think back on it, because we watched a lot of movies. <laughs> that it had nothing to do with music. Um, this would be, you know, Ferris, I wouldn't classify it any type of musical or neon music, but we watched it. Um, and I guess that was kind of, you know, I'd been to Chicago as a, as a kid growing up, you know, maybe around age 10 or 11, but my family, I was aware of it, but I think this movie really kind of showed me the fun and the great things that the city has to offer. Um, and, you know, Ferris is a lot one day, and it just kind of showed me how alluring of a place Chicago was, and it made me think, ooh, like, 
this might be a place I might want to go to college at or, you know, spend my, you know, start my adult life there. So I guess it also was kind of a formative part because, you know, here I am now, Chicago, <laughs> um, and I've been here for almost about five years now, so... So yeah, I can still remember the first time I saw the movie, like I said, freshman year of high school, and I've probably seen it ugh, at least two dozen times since, you know, like we said, you don't, you don't count all the times you watch it, but yeah. Okay, so how many of the activities that Ferris takes part in have you done already? <laughs> That's a great question, Eleanor. It's a great question. I'm good at questions. Uh, <laughs> she wanted to try and do recreate a Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I like really do. That would just be a, a very, very, you know, aggressive awesome day. We've the, the distance between the places and kind of planning things out. Um, but you know, it would be a it would be a fun challenge, I would say. Um, if we you know cut out the whole suburb part of you know going by his high school and yeah, we don't need to do that. Chicago things and they can be doable, but um, to answer your question, Eleanor, I have been to numerous Cubs games, um, to my own account as well. Um, I have also been to the Art times. Um, did the one and done to the, the Sears Tower. Um, I don't really feel like there's a reason to go back. Um, <laughs> I don't know, just, it just doesn't seem like it's, you know, the idea of it is cool. It's, you know, one of the tallest buildings in the, in the US, but kind of when you get up there and you, you just kind of just see more buildings as you kind of see like you see a little bit of the skyline but it's not really worth paying 30 bucks every every year to go see <laughs> um, I've never done it have you Eleanor um no we didn't the John Hancock tower at all yeah John Hancock yes same same <laughs> Okay, but Chris, have you danced with the city of Chicago? I can't say that I have. <laughs> I did not go to the Cubs parade, the victory parade. Um, I was, you know, just it seemed like it was just, I had to work that day, and it seemed like a like, huge crowds, and just, it's not that I don't like crowds, it just seemed like it would be a lot. Uh, I'm sure there probably was dancing on that day, and that probably would have been a good time to, you know, meet that. Okay, but the crowd, the largest crowd in human history, though. Yes. So I sadly, I guess, missed out on saying I was not part of this historic event. Do you often dance in public? I mean, because you can make that happen outside of a parade. It's so true. If I have my my music in and it's a particularly catchy song, um, maybe not walking on a crowded street to work. Um, <laughs> like if I'm walking on my block, which I think would qualify as public, you know, it might be a little, a little bit more of a, a pet head bob. Well, so Chris, Eleanor and I actually have a moment where we danced with the city of Chicago to this movie. So Eleanor was visiting, what, two summers ago, Eleanor? I think three. Oh, gosh, a long time ago. But they were playing Ferris Bueller in Millennium Park. And so we went with, like, a bunch of people, and that scene came on. And 
I remember standing up kind of early on in the song, Eleanor. Do you remember? I'm like very embarrassing. Both of you guys know this. So I like don't hold back a lot. So I was up and dancing and then everyone got up and danced and it was so magical. Like the whole of Millennium Park was just dancing. It was beautiful. It was a beautiful moment. Yeah, I love this movie. Um, and I think it's one of those movies that you can just watch over and over again and it will still be funny and charming. Um, I mean, and it's so quotable. Like, as a teacher, I mean, my kids never get it, but sometimes I'll go to the front of the class and be like, Bueller, Bueller, anybody? And they look at me like I'm crazy, but I still do it because it's funny to no one but me. <laughs> Okay, but do you think any aspect of this film has been complicated or hasn't aged well? Because So this is a John Hughes movie, and to bring it to kind of more current topics, um, Molly Ringwald mentioned, or she wrote about how when she was re-watching, um, I think The Breakfast Club, she she had kind of blocked out parts that were problematic um, and recognizing that, like, yeah, like, this was an important movie and John Hughes spoke for a generation, um, but do we see any of that in Ferris Bueller? Because, I mean, we could argue there's a very clear distinction in how Ferris's parents treat the daughter versus the son, um... Also, Jennifer Grey, pre-nose job. It was, like, so exciting. I didn't know she got a nose job. But, um, yeah, I mean, thinking about that now, I guess the only two real female, well, I guess three female characters we see are his sister, Sloane, and then the school secretary. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But mom is, like, so easily played in this movie. Um, but, like, if we think about those characters, are any of them really dynamic? Other, I mean, I like Sloane. Yeah, she's a cool girl, though. She's, like, the stereotypical cool cool girl. Yeah, she is. Oh, she did get a nose job. Sorry. We're terrible people. Annie, her dad is also Joel Grey, who is famous on Broadway, but in my heart is most notable for for playing uh, fake Sloan on Alias. Do you remember there was that weird thing where they had the character of Sloan, like the bad guy, and then they had fake Sloan? Vaguely. That was a long time ago, Eleanor. I've never seen Alias, so I can't comment. What?! Chris, you gotta binge. It's so good. Actually, I haven't watched that okay, so in years. Sorry, go ahead, Elmer. Christopher, what is your favorite? Who is your favorite character in this movie? It's actually something I, I didn't want to talk about. I thought about it while I was watching. Um, what I think I like about this movie so much, and about you know Ferris Bueller's you know movie in general, is that. At least for me personally, I can find aspects of kind of all of the main characters that I can relate to or qualities that, you know, I embody or that I wish I embodied. Um, kind of like a combination of all of them, like, you know, 
there's parts about Ferris's, you know, happy-go-lucky attitude, how he's always, you know, just trying to enjoy himself and trying to make the most out of life. Um, I can really, you know, kind of empathize with that. Um, I also see myself in Cameron sometimes. Um, <laughs> Cameron, Cameron can be a bit neurotic, but, I mean, I feel like a lot of us can have those tendencies sometimes. And, you know, we just want to mope and, and while the day away in bed and kind of tenor of sickness, but we kind of need some kind of pushing and prodding from a friend or family member to get us going and to, you know, push us to do the things that we know we would enjoy, but kind of hesitant to do so ourselves. Um, and, you know, then also even um, the sister, you know, Jeannie, who he's talking about, and, um, you know, most of us have siblings and you're having kind of the, the sibling rivalry growing up, especially, you know, at the high school age, you can just see how, frustrated she is that nobody else is seeing her brother the way that she does um, from the terms of how she knows he's faking sick first off versus at school when everybody's trying to, you know, say, hey, I'll have a fundraiser for him and, you know, things like that. And she is just totally over it. She's not into it. She wishes everybody could just see that he's faking and she wishes that she'd be kind of, you know, classified as the golden child for one day. Um, and yeah, like there's just kind of those, all those kind of qualities that I feel like in different parts of my life and different situations you can kind of feel and emphasize these characters because they're not just strictly you know one-dimensional on the aspect like some of the other characters are such as you know ed rooney and the nurse and the parents um i think some you know these main characters serve more to you know propel the story versus the 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 secondary characters so i would say identify with kind of all three of them No, and I think that's actually a really beautiful sentiment, this idea that they're the main characters not only because the bulk of the film follows their adventures, but because they're the only ones who are shown to have depth. Um, And how that is so powerful in a movie about young people, um, I think is really interesting. And okay, so then my follow up for that, because I like what you said about and maybe just because today, all I want to do, it's cold in LA too. So all I want to do is just like stay in bed. Like how cold is it? I think Annie, it's like six right now, it's 63 degrees. And I feel like my feet are gonna like fall off. Um, So silly. Our morning started way colder than that. And it's the best day so far this year. It's so cold right now. I just want to stay in bed. But okay, so for Christopher's point um, about um, Cameron, what if you were to envision a future for these characters, what do you think it would be? Like, so it's such a powerful moment at the end when you have Cameron looking on and he's like, I'm going to be okay. And there's inspirational music. Um, but do you think he will be okay or what, how would you, (laughs) or how would you imagine Ferris as an adult? Mm. Yeah, no, it's like, this is a really good question. Um, it is interesting. Like, I I know there was a conversation when, um, you know, Sloan and Cameron are talking just the two of them. Um, I think it's when Ferris is running off to, you know, emcee that parade, but you know, she looks. She looks at Sloan. Looks at Cameron. And she goes, you know, you know, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do next year? What do you, you know? He's like, I guess go to college. And she's like, you know, what are you gonna study? And he's like, I don't know. And she's like, what are you interested in? And he goes, nothing. Absolutely nothing. <laughs> um, but yet, you know, he still feels that he needs to go to college because that's what people do. Um, I think that 
these three teams, you know, they, they show, they, they, you can see that they, they feel a bit of the societal pressure for certain things um, in terms of, you know, feeling like this is that kind of the last hurrah, you know, they're, they're seniors in high school, or I guess someone is a junior, but they have to enjoy themselves because, you know, come college, they have to do things they don't like and they don't want to do, um, which we all know is necessarily true um, as adults, but... You know, when you're 17, 18 years old, that's kind of what your mindset is. Um, it's, I can kind of try and think back to, you know, how I was feeling, you know, 10 years ago in this situation. Um, and just, there is the great, the great big unknown. Um, and for someone such as Cameron, I guess he's, he's been, you know, so used to kind of being suppressed by, by his parents, who we never meet, but we just kind of hear stories about how, you know, They've had a, some big messy divorce, and yet his, his father loves their his new car more so than he loves his own son. Which I'm lucky that I, I'm lucky that I can't emphasize with him at all. Um, that just must be very demoralizing as a as a young person growing up, and to feel that your parents um, are treating kind of an animate object as more valuable than yourself. Um, but I think as Cameron went along for the whole ride in the movie and got to experience all those different events and having a great time, like, he was able to kind of, like, you know, get the courage and see more of the bigger picture in life and see that things will be okay and that, okay, maybe if my father is angry at me because I, I wrecked his car, like, yeah, I'll be rough for the next, you know, be rough for a few months, but things, you know, it won't be the end I'll be on in his life and there's still much more, much more to go. Um, and I don't, I don't really know how the, how the lives would be or how they would be at, you know, age 40, you know. Do I think Ferris and Sloan got married like, like he did when he proposed to her? Um, <laughs> I, that is one where I'm like, without a, I say no. <laughs> I, no. Yeah, there's no way that worked out. Yeah, but, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I've, I would hope that they all, you know, continued on, but chances are that, you know, none of them, stayed in touch, you know, they all kind of went their, their separate ways, as many people had to do in life, depending on where they're going to college, but I, I do think that, you know, the way the movie ends things, it ends things always in a positive light, and whether it is kind of more of a, you know, a lighter movie, and a more, you know, I would say it's a comedy, but it definitely gives you um, good feelings at the end of the movie, you know, that things will be all right with them again. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah, no, this movie, like, it is very hopeful. I think it also shows kind of that uncertainty that you feel at, like, 18, where you're like, I don't know where my life is going to go uh, very well, you know? And, and, like, you can see even Ferris being like, life moves so quickly sometimes, you know, you got to slow down or it will just, like, pass you by or what? I don't know. I definitely just butchered that. But, um... Yeah, exactly. Right. Things. Um, and it's like, well, you know, that's true. And that's true for like 18 year olds. But what's kind of so cool about the writing and, and um, kind of the concept of that is that that's true for any age. Like you feel it at 18, but like you also feel it at 28. You know, you also feel it at whenever um, is that this is just all kind of happening. And if you don't stop and they'll go like, oh, this is awesome. What, what are you doing? We should all live more like Ferris Bueller. As in, none of us should go to work tomorrow. <laughs> mm -hmm. it's, also, it's also a very American movie. And if we think about the time frame in which this came out, it's 
interesting to contemplate because so it's a Reagan era movie and we have kind of a new golden age at least of American suburbanism at the same time there's the like expedited growth in STEM in other countries who are now far surpassing us so I mean like yeah Annie stop and look around once in a while but also you will get bulldozed um but anyway <laughs> I will get bulldozed I mean Eleanor let's be honest I was never gonna bulldoze anyone else so it's gonna happen there you go. Fight or flight, I do neither. Did you know that that's a response now? They've like done studies and it's not either flight or fl- uh, fight or flight. It's fight, flight, or nothing. Like those are all acceptable responses. Annie. Yeah, I also know that I know this because I was the one who told you. And it's fight, flight, or freeze. Oh, well, that makes more sense. I really like alliteration, so I'll go with that. I also was the one who told you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, my older, wiser, kinder, more loving older sister. Everything that's good in my life comes from you. This is true. Okay, wait. Did you... So what you were talking about before, Chris, about sibling rivalry in high school, did you have two siblings who are close in age to you as well? An older sister and a younger brother, yes? Correct. Okay. You're a middle child. (laughs) Eleanor likes to make fun of us. It's fine, her being the oldest. Um, but did you feel like your siblings were your rivals in high school? Was there, like, a little bit of competition? Um, I would say definitely. I think it's, it's, only, it's only natural. Um, my sister is, is two years older, my brother's two years younger. Um, so I kind of meet the cusp of kind of being close enough in age to both of them where you're kind of going through similar things in life versus – you know, for the two of them, there's a five-year gap, so they're a bit kind of further removed with, you know, kind of events that you're going up through life. Um, so I kind of at the right point in the middle to kind of, you know, be a part of both both of that. Um, and it, it definitely, you know, it definitely happens um, a lot, um, I think, in, in most families, too, just, you know, especially if you have to be a little competitive in simple things like, you know, board games or video games to even know achievements like in school or sports or extracurriculars you know you name it um you know kids will make anything out of competition if they can that's why they play tag that's why they race to the car and try and get the the best (laughs) seat in the car things like that happen all the time there's always you you always find things to to fight about or bicker about even if they're so inconsequential um and you know one one of the things i do remember as a as a child is always you know trying to worry about if everything was quote-unquote fair between you know Myself and my siblings were like, you know, was somebody getting more attention from mother, from mom or dad, or was somebody getting an extra cookie at dinner or dessert or something like that? Always trying to like keep track to make sure that you know everything was was fair. And I think that's kind of what the case of what Jeannie is doing when she's like, you know, looking at you know she's telling her parents she's like, well, if I was sick like that, you'd make me go to school. And I was thinking, okay, I probably 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 said that sometime in my life, you know, probably more so. In the grade school years, but, you know, definitely good to see myself saying that. Um, one thing I, I did like with the movie they kind of show, though, is that near the end of the movie, when, you know, Jeannie ends up skipping school, too, because, you know, she wants to try and catch Ferris to try and, you know, prove to her parents that she was right and that she's the, the better child, quote, unquote, and she, you know, has her ordeals with uh, the principal, 
at Rooney at, at, her, at her house when she first mistakes him for kind of like an intruder, but then later kind of realizes that, hey, it's, you know, actually my principal trying to catch her brother. And then she realizes that, hey, you know, who's more important? You know, my brother is more important to me. And she ends up, you know, belching for, for him at the end of the movie when Mr. Rooney's at the back door and says, you know, where's your brother at? Where's he been? And she's like, oh, he's upstairs. We've been on the whole time. You know, he's been sick. Like, you know, so I like the fact that she kind of, you know, turns the tables on him and, and sides with, with Ferris at the end um, to show that she does still kind of love and care and appreciate him after all. So that was a nice little, little end to the movie um, that I thought. I agree. And so I don't know if this ever happened in your household, but Eleanor never had to do the dishes. <laughs> Cause she was... I don't think that, that's like an overstatement. Okay, no, Eleanor, you consistently got out of them because she would, like, this was real, Chris. Eleanor would start crying about how much homework she had to do and then just all of a sudden leave. Like, it was very well thought out. I think you guys think I put a lot more, like, meticulous thought into ruining you guys. And my thought was, that was never the intention. And... Um, as a Virgo, I know this to be true, is that my intentions are always pure and it's not, there's not like a methodical plan to take down anyone else. As a Virgo, as a Gemini, you cannot trust a word I say, right? Is that what the whole Gemini thing is? Pretty much. Christopher, what's your astro- <laughs> astrological sign? <laughs> I think, I'm pretty, yeah, it's Aquarius. Yeah, February 3rd. Yes, Aquarius. That what's the number one number for Aquarius? Um, I think I don't know because I don't know. Like I don't know a ton. It's essentially <laughs> I like essentially know what my interns tell me, and none of them are Aquarius. So, um, I can find out for you. Yeah, Eleanor, do some research. Get back to us. Eleanor's like so Southern California, and will like look at astrological charts and like forward them to me about what's gonna happen. Well, it's, Annie, it's called a natal chart, um, please. So, um, there's that song, if you heard that song, there's a, there's a song called, like, The Age of Aquarius. Um, yes, because, well, the age of Aquarius is a larger chunk of time, and... Okay. <laughs> when was it? In the 60s? Yes. 70s? I don't know. No, it's like, they're like huge chunks of chimes. I think like 30 years to 100 years. I'm not sure. Okay. Don't worry, Chris. Elder Wait, will do Chris- some research. Christopher, where you were Where were you born? This is like weirdly <laughs> important. <laughs> I was also, I was, where I grew up in suburban Michigan, I was also born there um, in a hospital around the area. <laughs> okay, but I need like the name of the town. <laughs> In order to do the natal chart. Yeah. That's what she's asking. I don't know. Yeah. Well, just, like, guess. Like, what's something near where you live? It's all about, like, where the sun was on that day. So, Troy, Michigan? Well, we'll take it. Chris, I'm sorry. It's all good. You'd be surprised at how often this comes up on our podcast. Eleanor all of a sudden, like, determining someone's astrological future. I was yeah, born. don't worry, I'll send it. I know that was around 
think it was like 8.30, around 8.30. I know that. I think it was a Saturday. It was a weekend. Okay. This is what I have so far. It represents vitality, a sense of individuality, and outward shining creative <laughs> energy. Um, unwillingness to follow the beaten track. They can be in a reverence to old and outdated ways of thinking. They aim to free themselves from personal and social condi conditioning. Although open to change in theory, can be surprisingly stubborn. Their <laughs> idealism runs strong, but they can be very fixed in their opinions. Often a bit aloof and even standoffish, they're nonetheless usually well-liked, curious, <laughs> observant, and tolerant in a broad sense. Pre prejudice and bias are offensive. They're generally very clever, witty, and intellectual. They value progress and frankness. They're generally on top of things. There's a bit of a reformer. Um, they want to encourage you to be open and forthright, and uh, they need space and value personal freedom. What are your thoughts? <laughs> 150% me. <laughs> right? I feel like with, like, fortunes and astrology, I'm a bit of a, a skeptic, to be honest, but, like, there are things in those statements I do identify with, but I also feel like that some of those statements are intentionally broad, so everybody can be like, oh, like, I'm open-minded, or I can be stubborn at times, or I like to eat pizza. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. I like to kind of pretend, you know, intentionally vague, or there's a lot of statements. Um, but I definitely could agree with um, a few of those. So I know, that's thing. where it gets terrifying. That's honestly where it gets terrifying. We've played these games before. I was, all, I was once also a skeptic until literally every intern I've had in Southern California has been like, you're a Virgo, right? I can tell because of all these things you do. And I'm like, that's terrifying. That actually is slightly terrifying. I could tell you were a Virgo from the moment I met you, Eleanor. JK. Mm. I, okay anyway so we need to start wrapping this up so let's talk about the legacy of the movie do we think it still has a place in like a broader I don't know movie history and like should kids today watch this movie yes and yeah, yes <laughs> um, yeah so I, I was watching this movie like last week or so to, to prep myself again for this, this podcast. I'd be up to date on everything. Um, and one of my roommates walked by near the end of it, and he always says it was Ferris, classic movie. And he, you know, stopped to watch a few minutes, and then, like, it was, like, the end. It was the, the bus scene. I'm going to go here. He says classic movie, and he watches it five minutes and then walks out. And that, I feel like that kind of um, so kind of rings true. I mean, yes, you know, we were, we were at least, you know, we were not born yet when this movie came out. Um, so we took on this movie as, you know, teenagers, young adults. Um, and I feel like people still kind of, you know, do that in the future. It's still kind of well-known. It's still one of the, I think, quintessential 80s movies, along with, like, Breakfast Club. And I can't think of anything. One, uh, one right <laughs> Pretty in Pink. Pink. Yeah. 16 Candles. So, you know, 80s, and 80s movies and 80s style. And I think even as, you know, go on when people want to think about what was life in the 80s or what are these classic movies that we want to watch it's not one of those movies that you know comes out everybody forgets about the next month later it's, it's been around for over 30 years and still well known you say the you say the words ferris bueller everybody knows who you're talking about um, and so there's so much in like the pop culture and things that still perpetuate you know like the bueller monotone voice yeah mm -hmm. 
yeah, there's just there's a lot, there's a lot of little things that I think you know still kind of carry on in, in pop culture. Um, so yeah, I think it, it does have a future, and that kids in the future will to find out about it from I guess now it'll be like their parents and grandparents, I guess, <laughs> and hopefully you know enjoy it and still can find ways to identify with the characters and you know empathize with the situations that they're in. I 100% agree. I think that this movie is somewhat timeless in the sense that you can watch it and it's definitely dated, but it's always going to be funny and it's always going to make you like feel better after having watched it. Um, and truthfully, a lot of my students like have seen this movie. Like they're like, oh yeah, that Ferris Bueller movie. I've seen like bits of it. I don't think they've seen the whole thing yet. Um, but it's like, it's a really good movie and I think it translates and it transcends transcends time oh my gosh so incredible annie i for me i the legacy is very clearly proved it was even in the movie i enjoyed so much last year spider-man homecoming i was so surprised by how much i enjoyed that movie but it made visual and stylistic references to ferris bueller so it like it's yeah there's absolutely legacy within it um eleanor this is a true statement about chris he does not love superhero movies he has not seen black panther it's fine i'm actually okay with that um i went to go see spider-man homecoming last summer only because i really wanted to be in air conditioning and i had movie pass so i thought i was gonna take a nap and then i ended up loving it so (laughs) like the original spider-man trilogy i'm a a big Tobey Maguire fan um i think that's that's hysterical. Even Spider-Man Three, where he goes emo, right? Because like, is a problem. literally, Chris, I'm not sure I've heard anyone. I like truthfully don't know that I've ever heard someone say I'm a big Tobey Maguire fan, and I love that that just happened. I also love that his career has. I love that his career has kind of gone downhill since he divorced uh, Ron Meyer's daughter. Um, because, like, you can't, like, screw over the guy who owns NBC Universal and expect to, like, come out. (laughs) Oh, I didn't know that happened. But, I mean, that's sad for them. Did they have kids? Uh, Yeah, they had, like, two kids. Oh, that's really sad. Okay, so let's move on to happier topics. So what we end our podcast is by talking about where in the world we would go right now should money and time um, and all those things not be an issue. Who would like to go first? I mean, I can go. Shall I? Okay, I'll go. I would go to Tahiti. And again, it's Eleanor and I have been kind of shooting this around in the past two days because we travel internationally every Christmas. Um, and we got an email about cheap flights to Tahiti from San Francisco. So then I started looking at pictures, and Tahiti looks really nice. <laughs> You're like, I could do that. Alternatively, I also, right now I'm so cold, I want to go someplace warm. And in my mind, you mentioned Guatemala, and I work with a lot of Guatemalan content all the time. So I would love the chance to go to Guatemala. But knowing me and Annie as my witness, like, I'd be able to turn a vacation into, like, let's only look at genocide stuff. So, (laughs) there we go. Iceland, just because that is the trip that I am next planning um, in order for me to continue to look forward to it and kind of visualize the, the future, I'm going to say so that's the number one place that I want to go. Um, so I'll be going uh, 
friend of mine and one of his friends. So um, should hopefully be a fun time out in the cold in the snow after I'm used to the Chicago summer and it finally gets here. So it'll be nice to have a little break from cooler weather um, for a week. So yeah, that's what I am excited about. Iceland sounds amazing. It sounds so cool. I really want to go. It's on my list, but really everywhere is on my list. It's kind of a problem. Anyway, Chris, thank you so much for joining us and talking um, Ferris Bueller with us. It's a great movie. And listeners, you can find us everywhere um, on Instagram and Facebook. We're pretty good. We're not great at Twitter, but we'll get better. No, we probably won't. We're going to stick with Instagram. <laughs> we were discussing this on Friday. I don't think anyone uses Twitter. Yeah. I can provide one. Um, Our... I don't have any musical talent, but I'm sure somebody has some musical talent. Our producer made a theme song, so we do have one. Um, but we just need to, yeah. So we we do have one. Um, I'll have so... to play it for you. It's like actually really good. Um. This would be a perfect opportunity to thank our producer, Haley Bogray, <laughs> for once again being, like, such a baller and doing this. Yeah. Because uh, we would never edit otherwise. Yeah, it's true. So, good thing. Thanks. Because I say stupid things sometimes. Okay, bye, listeners! <laughs>